You know that whole you are what you eat thing? <laughs> Strange. Well, I am a 61-ounce uh, <laughs> ribeye. Tomorrow I might be a... <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow I might be a 32-ounce prime rib. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but probably not till later in the afternoon because 61 ounces is a hell of a lot to eat in one day. That is a lot. <laughs> So much. You might want to stick around. It's actually impressive to watch <laughs> it finish. I'm going to start a TikTok where I just eat large, large piles of meat. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the thing that makes me money. To the Naked Naked Apple. Slices of history, I guess. Slices of history. (laughs) Slices of history, heavily mixed with current events. Uh, Because, uh, well, history led to our current events. History may not repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes. It's a soliloquy for the ages. Yes, indeed. I think that works. Sure. Sure. So let it be said, so let it be done. Yeah, this is a... I mean, it's not a limerick, so... No. Soliloquy is close enough. Sure. It's a big word. Must mean I'm right. <laughs> That's how arguments work, right? You use the yeah, biggest generally. word possible to sound intelligent. Generally. Or or add a title to your name. Mm. Yes. That's pretty much it. You, you either try to sound smart so that other people just accept what you say, or you add a title to your name so people just accept what you say. I've been going to school as a doctor for 10 years. I know. Oh, yes, you know how to go to school for 10 years for something you haven't done yet. Good job. (laughs) You went to school and had other people tell you how to think for 10 years. Good job. (laughs) And that's not peer-reviewed. Ah, yes, because peers have to review it in order for it to be true. Yeah. Well, that's only anecdotal evidence. Because all evidence isn't at some point anecdotal. (laughs) You literally just said that there's a story behind the evidence. That's, that's generally how you find evidence is you, you, you tell a story. Welcome, dear wannabe doctor, to critical thinking. <laughs> Might want to take that course the next year that you're in school. Might learn something. Might. Any operative word. Any hooters. Um, the topic for this time is America's hard conversation because there's a conversation that needs to be had that nobody wants to have because I think both sides hate the end result. Ah, yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. Because eventually everyone's wrong. At some point. The degree to which they are wrong varies, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I, I think I actually want to start with little personal story here first. Ooh, personal yeah. story. Anecdote time. <laughs> Woohoo! So, kind of a kind of a preface to this cuz uh this all leads into where this story goes. A couple weeks ago, I had the privilege of going to a local rodeo in a town I grew up in. And oh uh, yes, we got invited to that, but we were at the chiropractor at the time cuz that's more important. Well, I mean, and sitting in the hot sun, smelling poop, and I enjoy being a well-adjusted dust. individual. 
well adjusted. <laughs> Anyways, you're welcome. We're there. The atmosphere is great. All the everyone's super nice and friendly and joking and laughing, having a good time all around us. Rodeo starts and the uh, announcer guy gets on and gets the crowd going, all that stuff. Then it's time for the rodeo to actually start. Quiets the crowd down and has everyone bow their head in prayer. Why? Well, because I don't know if you've noticed, but bulls and horses with ropes tied around their uh, junk kind of don't like to play nice with whoever's on their back. So it's kind of a dangerous sport. Cowboys have died playing this, uh, participating in rodeos. So they feel it's appropriate. This has been the case at every rodeo I've gone to for a prayer to be said at the beginning of the rodeo to invoke some sort of divine protection over not just the cowboys, but the fans and the animals as well. <clears throat> because even though it looks like they're torturing the animals, they're actually training the animals and they actually care about how their animals feel, feed them well, all that stuff because they want their animals to perform well so that they can perform well. And then they open a cage door and tickle their balls. Pretty much. Let's just strap a rope to that and slap their butt and away they go. Hardy hi-ho. <clears throat> and then after that, a uh, local gal uh, sang the national anthem. She was doing pretty good. Got about halfway through and choked up and lost her place. The crowd sat in silence for a few seconds, then started cheering her on. And uh, she got back on the mic and asked if it would be okay if she restarted, and the crowd cheered even louder in support. Stop, don't come back. <laughs> she started singing again, but this time the entire crowd, without any motion from anyone else, simultaneously started singing with her the national anthem. The entire stadium of somewhere near a thousand fans all singing together the Star Spangled Banner. And looking around the crowd that I could see, there was not a dry eye to be found as everyone's singing together the Star Spangled Banner because they all care about the freedoms that they have, the protection they receive, and everything that the stars and stripes in front of us represent of unity, freedom, e pluribus unum, from many one, and all of the founding principles that it stands for. There were people from all kinds of walks of life that I could notice, and nobody cared about political affiliation, nobody cared about sexual orientation. All they cared about was sitting together, laughing, having a good time, and enjoying a fun, safe rodeo event. I don't care about many sports in the U.S. right now <clears throat> or in the world, but right now I am the biggest rodeo fan. Because even after all that, the clown, the rodeo clown, the main guy came out, and he said the last time he was there, he heard that uh, he had offended some people, and he said he'd like to start off by saying... If I have in any way offended you, made you angry, or anything like that, too bad, because I'll keep doing it. 
Uh, that sounds about and it right. got a nice roar from the crowd <clears throat> so yeah if a rodeo is coming through your town or nearby i'd highly recommend giving it a look if you are desperately looking for something to grab onto that's got a, that background of americana that i think everyone to a degree is missing like we talked about last week with top gun maverick such a good movie. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> so that is a little preface. Here we go. After a little swig. A little swig. Just, just a little swig. A little swig. Wet the whistle. <clears throat> so uh, you're kind of going in this blind, right? Uh, I mean, I grazed it. Grazed? You no. Know? Digested a couple stomachs worth. And yeah, I, I did a little bit of editing, just a small like skim through and fix some things. That found, found all the blue squiggles. And absolutely terrible. <laughs> oh, it wasn't just blue squiggles. There was stuff there that that Google was like, "That's fine." I'm like, "That <laughs> sentence makes no sense." Those words are words, yes, but they are not in any order that makes any type of logical connection with each other. This at all. is. This is the culmination of 30 to 40 hours of research and typing until 1.30 in the morning last night to try to finish it and still didn't finish it until later. But uh, I, I, I can read and uh, interrupt myself, and uh, you can interrupt me whenever if we want to do that. Or you can read. I don't care. Oh, we'll probably just take turns. Okay, that yeah. works. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll start us off. All right. Yes. Give her a good old kick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just a heads up, too, we'll be posting this on our uh, one of our pages, blog page or something, because it's got all the hyperlinks to stuff we use for research and all that jazz. <clears throat> it's better than posting an email link that's 60-some-odd uh, sources. Post the transcript. <laughs> yeah, just post the transcript. Should we should probably have actually edit it before we post it. We will. Yes, okay. we'll make it more prettier More prettier. And it's done. Wave the magic wand. <laughs> Alright. Another tragic mass shooting is behind us, and with it comes the same old recycled talking points with updated stats and political solutions that will do nothing more than harm law-abiding citizens. But we we did ours before the shooting happened, so... We, we did. <laughs> there's that. We were preemptive. Beat you to it. Mm-hmm. But something has to be done. Thoughts and prayers are no longer enough, is the echo cry we hear again and again. This has only gotten worse and will keep getting worse if we don't do something, is another emotionally-fueled cry thrown around debates. Indeed, they are both correct in that something needs to be done. But that something can't be agreed upon by both left and right. The left thinks that banning firearms or severe restrictions on them is something. The right thinks that armed teachers and guards are something. While elements of both sides are correct in providing a type of temporary bandage on this festering wound in America, they both fall short of the balm that is truly needed to remove the rot that is deep within the wound that has been planted and grown for far longer <coughs> uh, than anyone alive today has been arguing these points first a couple things of note on the uvalde texas shooting the more we learn the details of this the more it seems to become 
be a complete breakdown from top to bottom that resulted in a bunch of officers standing around outside the school to keep parents from going in and saving their kids. Also of note, in Texas, it is up to individual school districts to determine the rules surrounding firearms on their properties. The default seems to be no firearms on campus, and then districts take it from there. Schools will have gun-free school zone signs posted. More on that later. Or in the case of Medina ISD, some 75 miles northeast of Vivaldi, they have a different sign post in front of their schools that read, please be aware that the staff of Medina ISD may be armed and will use whatever force is necessary to protect our students. Now, which of those would be more of a deterrent for criminals? Hmm. Information on this particular shooting is still coming out and only gets more confusing the more we learn. One thing is for sure, though, there was a severe lack of men standing around that school for an hour. And that is where our conversation begins. Yes, it is. <clears throat> for far too long, good men have stood by and done nothing in the face of an ever-changing culture in the United States. The more you dig into the past of these shooters, the more you see a common trend between them. Most of them come from broken homes where the father either isn't present or he is not behaving the way a father should. Currently, the U.S. has the highest rate, 23%, of single-parent homes, predominantly the mother raising the children. The number of children living in single-parent homes has increased sharply from the 70s and peaked around 2012. As a percentage since the late 60s, this trend has continued as well with a growing number of children living with cohabiting parents. According to the CDC, since 1900, the overall trend of marriage rates in the U.S. has gone down by about a third with notable slumps in the late 20s and early 30s and the 50s to 60s, and a considerable hike in the mid to late 40s. In contrast, the divorce rate in the United States since 1900 has moved from 0.7 for every 1,000 people to 2.3 per 1,000 people today, over three times the rate. Some spots of note in the divorce timeline is the rate of divorce dropped in the late 40s and even further in the 50s, to 2.1, a time where the country as a whole put a major emphasis on the family unit. This ended in the 60s and 70s, where the divorce rate jumped to its peak of 5.3 per thousand people. And what happened in the 70s, I wonder? Something about peace and love. I don't know. Yeah, yeah something, uh, the uh, free body movement. Yeah, have a massive yeah. orgy at a concert. I don't mm -hmm. know. These correlations extend beyond school mass shooters, though. The same kind of lines can be drawn to connect gang violence, drug abuse, mental illness, and other societal ills, like suicides, that seem to plague us more and more. A quick blip on suicides. While they are trending down since their peak in the 30s, the CDC did notice that those who are married were at a reduced risk of suicide as opposed to those who were not married. Contrary to everything you've heard your favorite comedians say. <laughs> Those who are divorced had an incredibly increased risk of committing suicide as well. So based on just this, our issues begin to appear to run deeper than the number of rounds allowed in a magazine, the size of the bullets, or the ease with which one can acquire a firearm. Which, newsflash, it's really not that easy. What? Yeah. Now, our, our issues run much, much deeper. The very soul of America is gravely wounded. 
A void was carved out of her, and the vacuum left behind is sucking in a replacement that has only been the cause of more festering, pain, heartache, and division. What was carved out? What's the void? It's summed up nicely, I feel, by this tweet from J. Hogan Gidley, who was one of the press secretaries under Trump. America can't fill a God-sized hole with a government-sized peg. But, the naysayers naysay, thoughts and prayers are no longer enough. They haven't done a thing to stop this. Nay. <laughs> Nay. <laughs> Wilbur. <laughs> Wilbur. <laughs> How do you know? How many mass shootings, rapes, murders, suicides, whatever, have been stopped or avoided entirely because of some sort of divine intervention? By the way, I wrote this section before the Brett Kavanaugh thing. How do we know divine intervention did not come into that guy's head to say, hey, you're about to screw up real bad and you need to stop? To which he called the police and turned himself in. As he's a couple houses down from Brett Kavanaugh's house to kill him. Hmm. Hmm. Not in the sense of a beam of light shining down or angels holding a gunman back, but of regular everyday people who, for whatever reason, went out of their way to check in on a friend or family member on the verge of committing a heinous act. How is that number quantified? How many times do religious types pray for a gathering that pray after a gathering that everyone returns home safely and that prayer is answered? Much like how we covered a few weeks ago into the tenth power, millions of crimes are prevented or avoided by regular everyday people who carry their firearm with them and use it to stop someone, to the point where we aren't sure how often it actually happens. Hmm. So if this is the actual answer, a return to God or a return to grounded principles, there should be some sort of temporal evidence to point to that. To start our quest on this, we have to go back to the beginning to when the U.S. Constitution was yet to be finalized, but debates on it were already well heated. Enter Ben Franklin, possibly the least religious of the founders. I was going to say, the atheist Ben Franklin? That one. At least agnostic. During the Constitutional Convention of 1787, after noting how well they worked together in the past, Franklin points out how tempers are high and nothing is getting done. He proposes a three-day recess for everyone to gather their emotions and to calmly talk and listen to other delegates before reconvening. He then suggests this. Before I sit down, Mr. President, I will suggest another matter, and I am really surprised that it has not been proposed by some other member at an earlier period of our deliberations. I will suggest, Mr. President, that propriety of nominating and appointing, before we separate, a chaplain to this convention, whose duty it shall be uniformly to assemble with us and introduce the business of each day by and addressed of each day by and addressed to the creator of the universe and the governor of all nations, beseeching him to proceed in our council, enlighten our minds with a portion of heavenly wisdom, influence our hearts with a love of truth and justice, and crown our labors with complete and abundant success. Since that day, the practice of having a chaplain open the business of Congress has been followed. Today, that practice has been mocked with the opening prayer for the 117th Congress, where the chaplain closes the prayer with, Amen and a woman. Because hmm. amen means nothing but men stuff. I, I, I men guess. means we're all in agreement. Oh, agreement? Huh? Yes. Huh? Agreement? Yes, exactly. What about agreement? Agree, what about agreement? 
you but, know what I, you just, uh huh, you just can't. Where the fuck is the button? <laughs> Lord, please apologize. I apologize for. <laughs> you have full retard, man. Yeah. Well, this isn't the only time God has been mocked, and it won't be the last as we dig through some pivotal moments in U.S. policy and cultural history. Notice where they fall in line with some of the marriage divorce statistics from earlier. Hmm. So in 1781, Robert Aitken asked Congress for permission to print Bibles instead of importing them from overseas. He asked that he could be commissioned by Congress to print a neat edition of the Holy Scriptures for the use of schools and even asked that a committee be created to help oversee the project. Congress replied to his request in 1782 with a resolution that was printed on the cover page of each Bible that reads, Separation of church and state. That's not what it reads. Oh. What it reads is, Whereupon, resolved that the United States in Congress assembled highly approve the pious and laudable undertaking of Mr. Aitken, as subservient to the interest of religion, as well as an instance of the progress of arts in this country, and being satisfied from the above report of his care and accuracy in the execution of the work, they recommend this edition of the Bible to the inhabitants of the United States, and hereby authorize him to publish this recommendation in the manner he shall think proper. That is printed on the inside of every inside Bible. Uh, Yes, mm. every one of them. Mm. Uh, this kind of practice from the early Congress of the United States is arguably the hardy seeds that planted that seeds planted that sprouted into such a culture that made Alexis de Tocqueville give birth to the phrase American exceptionalism by writing these words in his report to France and the world: "Why the U.S. is the best kind of different." The position of the Americans is therefore quite exceptional, and it may be believed that no democratic people will ever be placed in a similar one. Their strictly puritanical origin, their exclusively commercial habits, even the country they inhabit, which seems to divert their minds from the pursuit of science, literature, and the arts, the proximity of Europe, which allows them to neglect these pursuits without relapsing into barbarism, <laughs> A thousand special causes, of which I have only been able to point out the most important, have singularly concurred to fix the mind of the American upon purely practical objects. His passions, his wants, his education, and everything about him seem to write in drawing the native of the United States earthward. His religion alone bids him turn from time to time a transient and distracted glance to the heavens. Let us cease then to view all democratic nations under the mask of the American people and let us attempt to survey them at length with their own proper features. Fast forward a few years and you have the Supreme Court ruling in 1962 that prayer cannot be sponsored by public schools. I'm sure it's just coincidence that the poor marital family stat stated before happened shortly after this ruling. <clears throat> just mere coincidence. Purely coincidental. This decade also saw assassinations of some prominent people, namely John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, and Martin Luther King. These assassinations, as well as a general feeling of unrest, led to the passage of the Gun Control Act of 1968 that placed. <laughs> you done messed up, A.A. Ron! 
that place the current federal age restrictions on the purchase of new firearms. 18 for long guns, 21 for pistols. Now they're trying to change that. This law, if passed before, if passed before the 1966 University of Texas Tower shooting, which added to the unrest people were feeling, would have done nothing. It would have would not have stopped the 25-year-old who killed 18 and wounded 31. Hmm. So in response to unrest such as that, they passed a law that would have done nothing to stop it. Sounds familiar. Um, incidents surrounding school shootings doubled the decade after that, going from 21 to 40 incidents in the 70s. In fact, the bulk of school shootings Wikipedia has listed before were performed by people above the age 21, and the incidents were a mixed bag of accidental shootings, stray bullets, gang activity, and actual fac student faculty-involved shootings, which may or may not have killed or injured people leading up to the 90s and 2000s, were where that mixed bag got less. Wow, I did a run-on sentence there, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> you did a few. I fixed some of them, but I missed a couple. <laughs> <laughs> where that mixed bag got less mixed with more on-campus shootings. <clears throat> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Much like the laws that were passed, it's too little too late. Yes, it is. <laughs> this is, coincidentally, I'm but sure... better late than never. Uh, wow. This is, coincidentally, I'm sure <laughs> when we see... Uh, Lost um, it. Where that that should be where, where uh, I'm sure where, where we, we yeah yep that's yep. what it's supposed to where where we see the people yeah that is that much better this is coincidentally I'm sure where we see the people raised in the 70s coming of school age and those who were all in as teens and young adults in the peace and love movement so yeah so people that grew up with a culture of peace and love are now in schools in the 90s and 2000s or their parents grew up in peace and love and yeah, raised their, their parents grew up in the 70s and now they're in yeah. school yeah um, 1990 went f uh, 1990 went from 97 incidents to 67 incidents however the age category for the shooters is younger overall 43 of the 67 recorded incidents were people enrolled in high school middle school or elementary school Hmm. It's only two-thirds of the incidents. Only Mind you, incidents in these cases were, again, nobody shot, somebody injured, school parking lot, school bus, happened to be in front of a school, not necessarily all the time, in the school school, school shooting. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's all coming together. <laughs> Some things to keep in mind from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. In 1980, the court ruled in Widmar v. Vincent against a Kentucky law that required the Ten Commandments posted in all public school classrooms. The same Supreme Court, whose facade and interior features prominently, de uh, prominently, features prominently depictions of Moses and the Ten Commandments. Hmm. Hmm. In 1990, the Gun-Free School Zones Act was passed, making it a felony to legally have a weapon on campus unless you fell into a special license category described by individual states, which was not consistent across the board. This is when gun-free school zone signs really gained popularity across the country as well. In 1992, in Lee v. Weissman, 
The Supreme Court ruled it was a violation of the First Amendment for schools to invite clergy to pray at the beginning and end of graduation. Again, something that Congress still practices today. In 2000, the Supreme Court ruled in Santa Fe Independent School District v. Doe that the Texas school district policy of allowing students to elect by popular vote to choose a student who would deliver a prayer at the beginning of football games or the PA system was wrong. You didn't finish that thought, <laughs> <did> sir. Not. <laughs> wow. Was unconstitutional. Wow. There you go. <clears throat> oh, well. Uh, backing up the 60s and 70s, that culture of peace and love with whomever and whenever were the start of bringing two things into popularity. The first is that of the LGBT movement. But what in the world does this have to do with school shootings, you ask? It has everything to do with a lack of care for the mental well-being of not just adults, but ever-increasingly our youth and kids. Why should this be considered today as an issue? The Secret Service, in a report in 2017 and again in 2020, found that about two-thirds of public mass shooters experienced mental health problems prior to their attacks. Huh. A survey conducted by the FBI found that 25% were diagnosed with mental illness, while almost two-thirds had a mental health stressor, which they identify as appeared to be struggling with, most common, commonly, depression, anxiety, paranoia, etc. in their daily life and in the year before the attack. The American Psychiatric Association no longer recognizes gender identity as a disorder as of 2012 because of changing knowledge and cultural attitudes within the field. Not because of science, but because of cultural attitudes. Yeah. According to the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, those in this community today face increased risks of various mental health conditions like depression, bipolar disorders, substance abuse, and suicidal thoughts. The Trevor Project also recognizes the increase in suicides in young people ages 10 to 24. But those who identify within the LGBTQ are community are up to four times as likely to attempt suicide than their peers. They estimate that every 45 seconds, LGBTQ youth and LGBTQ youth attempt suicide. They also point out that within that group, transgender and non-binary are at an even greater risk. The American Academy for Pediatrics released a study that found that among adolescents, those who transitioned from female to male saw a 50.8% suicide rate. Wow, I spelled that terribly. Yes, you did. Non-binaries had a 41.8% suicide rate. Male to female saw a 29.9% suicide rate. And questioning adolescents experienced a 27.9% suicide rate. Meanwhile, their heterosexual peers experienced a 17.6% rate for females, 9.8% for males, clearly this is an issue across the board and it left un and if left unchecked we could very well be seeing more of our mass shootings coming from those who identify as lgbt 
if the Secret Service and FBI data are a measure to go by, at least. Yeah. <clears throat> but how do we get here? After, <coughs> after the Stonewall riots in 1969, the culmination of raids on illegal gay bars throughout the U.S., a couple of men applied for a marriage license in Minnesota. Their request was denied, and they challenged and lost on every court level. This led to some states starting to define marriage as a union between a man and a woman. The 80s and 90s saw some states and cities pass laws and ordinances that allowed for same-sex couples to be registered as domestic partners, which granted them hospital visitation rights and some other benefits. In 1996, Congress passed the Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA, Armigato, Mr. Roboto, which Bill Clinton signed into law. That was bad. It was very that bad. Was, that was just bad. It uh, didn't ban gay marriage. It just prevented gay couples from receiving federal benefits allowed to heterosexual couples, regardless of state law. Bill Clinton also officially recognized June as Pride Month starting in 2000. So he signs a bill that uh, says no, and then he signs a thing that says, heck yeah. It's almost as if they were trying to cause unrest. Huh. How nice to have an entire month dedicated to this and the sex parades and strip bar lessons for our kids in between a day to remember our fallen soldiers who gave us and protected our freedoms and the day we celebrate the birth of a nation that has given the world and its people more freedoms than any other in history. It's nice. Nice little sandwich there. So, so nice. Yeah. In 2004, the Senate blocked an outright ban on same-sex marriages, leading to individual states passing laws to ban it outright while some states pass, uh, pass laws to enshrine it. Some other cases occurred that backed DOMA and others that did not. The last one to put a nail in DOMA's coffin, though, was that of Obergefell v. Hodges, where the Supreme Court ruled that despite citizens in 13 states that outlawed same-sex marriage voted for that to be their law, they could not have such laws on their books. Thank you. Thank you. Despite the fact that citizens in 13 states. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, thereby overturning not just those states, but also Congress who had put it into law. So now the Supreme Court is essentially writing law. Ah, well, that's, that's the way it was meant to happen. Yes, yes, because they were wrong, apparently, except for the court was right. Except for every time that the court has been wrong. Anyway, the pride flag was first introduced in 1978. The 70s really full of stuff. An eight-colored rainbow flag representing sex, life, healing, sunlight, nature, magic, and art. Serenity and spirit. It has since gone through some changes to have six stripes. Uh, other pride flags... Uh, other pride flags being made... <laughs> yep. For different letters in the ever-growing LGBT <laughs> acronym. To the point where it even had to have... A brown and black stripe added to recognize people of color within the community, commissioned by the city of Philadelphia. The current pride flag, the progress flag, has six rainbow stripes and a triangle of five colors, all representing a bunch of different groups and races. Current, that is, until another group makes a big enough stink that they aren't recognized yet. If only there was a certain flag already in wide use that recognized that 
all men are created equal. Yeah, it could or have, something like you that. know, like like some red and white bars and a blue field with some stars on it or something like that. Hey, you know? we should design. I, something. We should design something like that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that might might actually go somewhere. Now we can see these headlines roll across our feeds of bakers and florists being sued because they won't violate their religious beliefs to provide services for a same-sex couple. Churches in trouble for it. Religious universities and government entities wrapped up in lawsuits surrounding it. And all of these institutions who used to be the standard bearers for bedrock Judeo-Christian values now have to bend the knee to this movement or else they lose everything. Oh, perfect. This is a perfect one for you to get into. Oh, yeah? Yep, this is your favorite. Oh, sweet. Food. Oh, this is the thing that I actually know something about. Mm -hmm. The second thing we got from the 60s and 70s is new dietary trends. Yay! Healthier. Sure. (laughs) Part of the whole peace and love movement was also to eat nature's way which meant eating less to no meat and replacing it with more and more vegetables and or grains. Actually, this goes back to um, even way, way before that. Oh, yes, the, it does. Uh, the uh, Quakers and the Puritans. Do you have that in here? Uh, no, this is just the 60s and 70s okay. where it really gained popularity. Yeah, so, it started so to get it, popular. It, 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 it was a, an idea that actually occurred way back at the beginning of the, the country, Yes. The Quakers and the Puritans at the time, you know, they have all these different colonies, different religious groups, different stuff like that. And there were a few offshoots of the, the different groups that uh, decided that you shouldn't eat meat because you know what what eating a lot of meat does? It, it makes, makes you feel good. It makes you feel good. It makes you vigorous. It, it makes you uh, uh, virile. <laughs> that... Uh, <laughs> There's a big word that you can go look up. <laughs> and and they, so they, they uh, banned it to, uh, to try to decrease sexual sin. Did you see Bethel's ankles this morning? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and this, this idea kind of held on for, for decades. It was not popular for a long, long, long time. I can't time. imagine why. Well, it's because when you eat nothing but vegetables, your body goes to shit. No. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, there's, there's evidence from um, many ancient cultures that a primarily carnivorous diet actually um, led to much, much longer lifespans. No. Um, oh yeah. What evidence yeah, of yeah. that do you have other than all of history? <laughs> much, but, but, yeah, pretty much, pretty much all of history. Um, I mean, it, what, it was uh, it was the Persians, and well, in the Bible, the uh, Persians got more sick, while the Jewish boys got healthy eating the seeds and stuff. Yeah, that's um, it's not exactly how that went, but okay. <laughs> anyway, these these ideas, you know, kind of hung on. They festered through the years, and then in the '60s and '70s. Um, a- and another interesting note here is throughout history, governments have used diets and things like that. They've used food shortages to control what people eat. Butcher Wilson <coughs> to make them docile. <coughs> uh, excuse me. Mm. So, 
progressivism stuck in my throat there. Yeah, you know. So so when we're we're talking here about eating less to no meat and replacing it with more vegetables and or grains, and then the federal government, who who would have guessed that, decided to get involved <laughs> with people's diets. Wait, 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 wait. So they got involved with gun crimes. And they gun got crimes inv- got worse. They got involved with marriage. And marriage got worse. They got involved with just school in general. And school got worse. Uh, let's see. They got involved with the gay movement. That got worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say it. But yes. Yes, it did. Well, I so mean, now they're getting involved with what you eat. Well, I mean, they basically created the Stonewall riots. That's that's so. fair. That is fair. <laughs> that's fair. So then the federal government decides to get involved. And uh, they did this due to an increased concern over poor heart health and other health issues rising in the 60s over, and early 70s. Over heart disease. Over, over heart disease and other health issues rising in the, the 60s and early 70s. Um, also, though, during this time, there was a huge push in uh, sugar manufacturing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, it uh, was that's a sugar boom. Um, and if you talk to anybody that lived back in the 60s and 70s and, and uh, earlier and ask them what their parents thought, about sugar and things like that. Uh, almost every one of them will say that their parents told them not to ever eat sugar because it goes straight to your ass. <laughs> almost every one of them. Uh, because they all knew before the 60s and 70s, they knew that sugar, grains, and things like that, if you ate a lot of it, it goes straight to your ass. Remember, kids, sugar-free is healthier than fat-free. It is. It is very, very not, not that way at all. Um, <clears throat> so committees were formed to decide what to do and poured over research and their conclusion was that less fat and protein and more naturally occurring sugar would reduce the risk of heart disease. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, this being the studies of uh, Ansel Keys. Which was Ansel. entirely, entirely fabricated. Ansel and so, Gretel. Um, his his research is uh, commonly known as the Seven Nations Study. And in his Seven Nations Study, he studied twenty two countries, I believe. Why and call found it Seven Nations if you're studying twenty two countries? Or, I already don't he, trust he, this guy. he studied he studied like twenty two different nations. And, and he called it the Seven Nations Study because uh, the seven of them were the only ones that he can find out of the 22 that he could put together and form a correlation between cholesterol and uh, obesity and heart disease. Oh, so only a third of them were actually what the sugar companies wanted yes. to find. And if you take all gotcha. of the data that he collected together, uh, it actually shows not only is there no causation between... Uh, cholesterol and heart disease, but there's not even a correlation between cholesterol that seems and heart important. disease. It's very important. Mm. It's very, very important, which would also be why since they put forward uh, these things, heart disease has actually continued to 
rise rather than going down like they said it would. What? <laughs> yeah, you know, so it turns out it wasn't until 2016 that it was revealed that the sugar industry paid off scientists, uh, including three prominent ones. I don't know if you list them here. I don't. Um, but one of which became the um, the head of the uh, USDA. <laughs> immediately after releasing his oh. study that found that sugar was not to blame for obesity, but fat was. Hey, release this study so my friend gets mm-hmm. lots of money, then I'll put you in a position where you can get yeah. lots of money. Uh, and the three doctors got paid four grand each so, to do that. That's they, a lot. They sold the, uh, the health and well-being of the entire country for four grand each. Which was actually kind of a lot in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, it, it could have been. I mean, it still wouldn't be that much... It's not a compared to. I mean, I would have held out for more, but you know, I'm a greedy, greedy person. So (laughs) there's that. Um, But yes, so the sugar industry paid off scientists to rig the studies in favor of sugars and against cholesterols, which I always thought was kind of weird. That it was like, let's just pick a random thing in food, and that's the bad thing. That's the bad guy. And the funniest thing is, they almost couldn't have picked a worse thing to villainize. Because cholesterol is actually a basically a repair bot in your body. Oh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. I I learned a lot more about food than I planned to on a gun control research paper. Yeah, so, yeah. Follow uh, that thought trend. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, we are. You know, but <laughs> the government continues to assure us that studies show that those who stick to their current dietary guidelines and their ever-changing dietary guidelines, which are leading to a world health guideline. Protein uh, is number six of seven on their list of things to eat, by the way. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but if you stick to their dietary guidelines, you will have reduced risk of heart disease, diabetes, and other health woes, which I'm sure those are not at all weighted. No. Especially considering that diabetes in particular is exacerbated extravagantly by the uh, current sad diet. Was so, the, one that, the one that's full of sugar? Or yes. The one that's yes. full of cholesterol. So, so standard American diet spells sad, which is fitting. <laughs> um, but a disclaimer for this next part, everybody is not the same. Their dietary needs are not the same. Therefore, not everyone needs to follow the exact same diet to be healthy. Don't really agree with that sentence. Well, however, there are tweaks everyone needs to make to make it actually work for them. It, it, it kind of covers it. I, I personally believe there is a baseline that is healthy for everyone. Yes. But then there are people that are tolerant of other foods more so because of yes. the evolution of that's, their particular heritage. That's more the point of, that I'm trying to make. Is However, <clears throat> I would also say a disclaimer in this. We are not physicians. Or health professionals. Or health professionals. Or dietitians. We're two guys that have done a lot of research on different things. Like I, said. I happen to be living on a carnivore diet right now. I've done a ton of research on this and have decided it is the way that I want to go. And I'm exploring a more meat-heavy diet. Largely because of everything I've found just on this and then everything Mike yes. is sharing with me. Yes. <clears throat> well, I mean, when your genetic baseline states that you should be living to 120 and most people are dying in their 60s and 70s, 
or they're incredibly <laughs> miserable and unhealthy until they're a hundred and then they die miserable and alone in a hospital bed somewhere where nobody cares about them. The day the doctor tells me I can't eat bacon anymore is the day the doctor has instruments shoved in his face. <laughs> he never knew what would fit in his face. Uh, exactly. However, it is important to understand as much as possible about the diet you want to follow so that you can make the healthiest decisions for your body. So again, we encourage everyone to do their own research. Uh Look at factual evidence. Listen to people that know what they're talking about. There are a lot of different health experts out there that talk about a lot of different things. Uh, One of the things that I would say makes the most sense to me is, you know, if if you're going to go start a business and you want to find somebody to take business advice from, you don't go talk to the homeless dude on the street. What? Why not? (laughs) Because he obviously doesn't have a successful business or he wouldn't be living on the street. Well, Elon Musk. And and the same thing should be for your health. Elon Musk said himself he's the uh, wealthiest homeless man on earth. Well, you know... (laughs) Elon's weird. He's also very weird. That's not a... I said the homeless man on the street, not the homeless man that owns Tesla. Fair. You did. You did add that stipulation. I did. I did. Um, But the same thing should apply to your health. If, If you are going to change your health and change your diet, you shouldn't go listen to people that look like walking skeletons. You shouldn't go listen to people that are morbidly obese you know, you shouldn't, you go, shouldn't go listen to people that are taking gear. You shouldn't go listen to people that look like Bill Gates. You definitely shouldn't listen to people that look like Bill Gates. <laughs> you should you should go find health professionals and people that are doing this and giving this advice that are living the way that they're telling you to live, that are, are evidently living the way that they are telling you to live, and they look the way you want to look. Yep. Find someone that looks the way that you want to look and glows the way you want to glow. Because that also is internal health, not just uh, what they're eating, but also what, what they're doing with their mind and their spirit and whatever else kind of things too. Yeah. So from what we have so far found, it looks like it leans towards more meat, the healthy side of the... Uh, decisions here the healthy parts of the diet yeah generally being healthier than less meat so what happens if your diet focuses more and more on vegetables than on meat well from what i've found vegetables are trying to kill you (laughs) just because they make you depressed doesn't mean they're gonna kill no 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 it means they're gonna kill you oh that's literally what it means oh so and and if you think back to like middle school biology it makes perfect sense because, you know, they talk about evolution, they talk about all these different things, and they describe to you the cycle and hierarchy of life, right? So animals eat plants, animals die, plants eat animals. It's the cycle of life. Circle of life. But um, in the wild, everything, and I mean everything, develops certain defenses to ensure its life, right? Uh-huh. So <clears throat> lions are big and muscular. They have sharp fangs and sharp claws, and they're generally f- pretty fast. You know, cheetahs are super fast. 
Uh, zebras have stripes, so they blend in with each other. Other animals have camouflage, all these different things, right? right? So what do plants have? Because plants are stationary. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. So the only thing that plants can really do to defend themselves is become poisonous. That's it. Mm-hmm. So the other problem that plants have is they often need animals in order to reproduce because they need animal manure. They need the, the nutrients, the nitrites, and, and things like that that are in uh, animal defecations and in they, order to <clears throat> grow. And they need the animals to help spread their seeds. Around. And they need the animals to help spread their seeds. And that's really interesting because the uh, plants also don't want an animal to eat their seeds if the animal can digest their seeds. Mm -hmm. Because if the animal digests or damages their seeds, then they can't reproduce. Corn? I don't remember eating any corn. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so there are so many of these foods that you actually can't process, you actually can't use, and yet we continue to eat them. They give us no value, and they actually poison us. What's they the lead to depression. They lead to these other things. They offset our chemicals in our bodies so that we don't function properly. What's the number one ingredient in most sodas and sugary foods? Uh, sugar. Oh, high fructose. Oh, high corn, fructose corn syrup. Yeah. Corn syrup. Fructose, which is huh. a... A fruit form of sugar, which is also a form of poison. Interesting that it's a fruit form of sugar coming from corn, which we're told is a vegetable. Yes, right. Um, <laughs> well, fructose fructose is is just kind of the the general yes natural <clears throat> form of sugar that's found in, in plants and and yes. uh, fruits. But um, anyway, so <laughs> you know it. These, these plants, these different things that you eat, they have different poisons in them. They, they mess up your chemicals in your body. Um, they cause different, different things like depression and stuff like that. Uh, one of the most prominent ones is almonds. Almonds have um, it's either arsenic or cyanide. I don't remember which one. I think it's cyanide. I think it is cyanide, yeah. It's cyanide, yeah. So almonds have cyanide the, in them. And apples uh, have arsenic. Um, bitter almonds... So the, the, um, like the pit of a, a peach uh -huh. is so condensed with cyanide that if you eat the, pe the pit of a peach, it can actually kill you. That's if your teeth don't shatter first. But. Right. But I, the bitter almond is actually the, the core in the center. So you can actually crack open oh, the, yes, the pit yes, of a, yes. and the inside is kind of chewy. And if you eat that, it can kill you. It can straight up kill you. There's a lot of things that, that can kill you. I mean, even, even looking at meats... Um, if you eat the wrong kinds of meats, um, you can get very, very sick. So uh, it's an acquired taste. <coughs> it's a poisonous fish. It's a poison fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a poison. Well, not even that. Like uh, uh, animals, uh, if you eat a, a raw liver, uh, if you eat an entire raw liver, uh, it is packed with vitamin A. And certain animals, if you eat their raw liver, it can actually kill you. It, it can give you uh, hypervitaminosis. I think is what it's called where uh, your body has an overabundance of a vitamin that it can't use and it can't process. And it but vitamins are healthy for me. Yes, yeah, so is water, but to a certain extent, yes, everything has a limit. Only to a certain extent, <laughs> exactly. And, and um, certain vitamins are only actually needed in your body as purgers to push out toxins from vegetables and things like that that you eat. Vitamin C, for instance, actually is next to useless in your body 
unless you were eating a lot of grains, <laughs> um, which is what they found with scurvy and stuff like that. This, right. Like, this is why they always say, you know, you don't go on a carnivore diet, you'll get scurvy. Well, that's, that's not true. It's actually complete bullshit because if you go on a strict carnivore diet and you are not eating grains and vegetables, then you won't get scurvy regardless of how much vitamin C you have. And your body actually can't really use the vitamin C. It only needs it to process uh, certain fruits and vegetables and, and grains. So it's, it's very interesting. But anyway, back to the main <laughs> port, point here. You got me off on it, man. <laughs> But, but anyway, so these, these different chemicals, different things that these, these vegetables have, they offset your, your chemicals, your chemistry, and your, your biochemistry in your body, and they can lead to things like depression. Um, so many studies over the course of a, uh, about a decade have found that vegetarians had up to two and a half times the risk of suffering from depression. Hmm. And that's just the ones that they talk to <laughs> and the ones that have actually stayed vegetarian. Yeah, because almost every vegan, especially vegans, um, almost every one of them, uh, there aren't very many really long-term vegans because they eventually just quit because they get so unhealthy. Their teeth start falling out. They start having all kinds of issues. They realize they're supplementing a bunch of stuff, so they just mm -hmm. start eating what actually has the supplements instead of getting the supplements. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's one of the funniest things for me, switching to carnivore, was I don't supplement. I have no supplements anymore. Mm -hmm. I everything I need I can get from meat. Um, you know, so it, it's pretty interesting when you look <laughs> at it that way. It, if you if you really think about it, the perfect diet for you, the perfect diet for your body would mean that you don't have to take anything to get all the nutrition that you need. It's another factor for it. Whereas vegans, there is no way to get all the nutrition you need. Uh, for one thing, because the, the way that uh, plant proteins are processed in the body is completely different from the way that actual protein is processed in the body. Um, completely different mechanism, completely different way it works. And, and most of the protein in plants can't actually be utilized by the body. So, you know, you look at soy and stuff and it's like high protein and you know, like <laughs> over half that protein, you don't actually, it like never even hits anything in your body. Like you, you don't actually use it. It just kicks back out because it's useless. <laughs> but um, while the exact causes and fixes to depression are still up for debate, mostly because nobody will actually debate it or do any studies to actually find if it's linked to anything that makes any sense. There's that. However, there is a fair consensus. A guy sitting at his computer for 40 <laughs> hours might have found a link. <laughs> might have. There is a fair consensus that a chemical imbalances the bulk of the issue. Enter antidepressants, but we don't have time for that. No, we do not. <laughs> no, no, we we're do already not. nine pages in. We don't need to add nine more, right? <laughs> so pretty much all the chemical crap that they try to give you. It is its only purpose is to fix a symptom. It's, it's and, just, not even fix a symptom. Cover up a symptom. It's just, really, it's just putting a band aid on a big wound. And mm -hmm. oh, that one fell off. Let's try another band aid. Oh, Putting one of those little finger band-aids on a gunshot. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. That'll hold. So uh, the three key neurotransmitters. Uh, where did you even mention that? Right here. Just, That's just, it. Okay, I'll continue just, on. Just, the, three, the three key neurotransmitters in question for causing depression are dopamine, serotonin, and nor norepinephrine. Yeah. Yes. Norepinephrine. 
Uh, while drugs and supplements can help this chemical imbalance, they can be fixed naturally as well through our diets and exercise. Um, depending on where you look and how sources calculate things, meat, especially beef, is consistently in the top 10 of sources of these three chemicals. They provide the necessary amino acids needed for your body to produce happy chemicals in your brain. Plants only get close to those levels when you add enriched tofu. Sounds pleasant and natural. I'm vegan. I only eat natural things like (laughs) enriched tofu. (laughs) (laughs) Is it bacon flavored? Yes, it is. How'd you know? Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So eating beef can actually really help make you happy via tyrosine, which is what's used to help make dopamine. Tyrosine. All of these things, these words that aren't the three missing neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. These are amino acids, which right. is another way of saying protein. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> a it's a form of protein that your body actually requires because it can't make to it function because it can't make it itself. Funny enough, another interesting thing about <laughs> uh, fruits, vegetables, grains. Um, there is only one food source that makes things that your body absolutely has to have that it cannot make itself. And that is animal-based products like meat. So in order to make meat, you need meat. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> uh, you know that whole you are what you eat thing? Strange. Well, I am a 61-ounce uh, <laughs> ribeye. <laughs> Tomorrow I might be a... (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow I might be a 32-ounce prime rib. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) But probably not till later in the afternoon because 61 ounces is a hell of a lot to eat in one day. That is a lot. (laughs) So much. You might want to stick around. It's actually impressive to watch (laughs) you finish. I'm going to start a TikTok where I just eat large, large piles of meat. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the thing that makes me money. (laughs) Tryptophan. Yes. Everybody knows what tryptophan is. It's the turkey drug. Except it's not. Ah, yeah. So it probably doesn't actually make you fall asleep after Thanksgiving dinner. But it is necessary in the synthesization of serotonin. Huh. Huh. So high sources of tryptophan can be found in animal proteins. Beef ranking number two on this list. Number one being turkeys? Eggs, I think it was. Eggs. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, egg is, egg is basically the only real superfood. Yeah. If you're, yeah. if you're being honest, yeah, dude, wait. eggs are loaded with so much stuff. Wait. It's so awesome. Wait till we get to estrogen. Oh gosh, dude. <laughs> no, seriously. We just started, we just started getting these like free range eggs that are, are, um, that are not vegetarian fed. So they're not grain fed. They're, they're free range. They're allowed to go and and do their own uh, grazing and stuff. Oh, sorry. It's uh, lean chicken Tasted. and turkey was number one on the So list. good. Tastes so good. I knew it was turkey. You you lied to me. <clears throat> chicken anyway. and turkey. Well, you know. Yeah. So I guess it's number three on the list, but yeah. But that's all right. Yeah. So to boost norepinephrine, you need both tyrosine and phenylalanine. Phenylalanine. That can't be the right way to say that. Phenylalanine. Phenylalanine. Yep. Nah, it's a fun word. 
I'm glad I don't have to say this word every day. <laughs> the amino acids to synthesize uh, norepinephrine. We already learned about where to get high amounts of tyrosine naturally. And number one on the list for sources of phenylalanine is, you guessed it, beef. Moo! It's beef. It's what's for dinner. It's what's for dinner. Every night. I love it. So, on top of all this depression and chemical imbalances related to our food, there are also things like estrogen and testosterone to consider. Why? Well, let's get to the end and find out. A study was released recently that found that more testosterone a person consumes, the more a red shift happens within the individual. <laughs> I love this. Their blood gets redder. <laughs> oh, no, not that red shift. Oh, it's not yeah, that red shift. Yeah, it's a little different than that. Their period gets stronger. Very different from that. <laughs> Almost the opposite, really. In fact, yes. <laughs> the study found that weekly affiliated Democrats that received extra testosterone lost 12% interest in their own party while having 45% warmer feelings toward the Republican Party. The results waned the further left and right the study went on. Uh, went on individuals. Yeah. Studies done that compared testosterone levels in individu individuals from the 80s to people of the same age today uh, found that those levels have dropped by up to 25%. So where does one get natural sources of testosterone? Foods with fat and foods high in protein are your best friends. Look, there's the beef again. There it is. We found it. And all its fatty edges. Oh, beef. Mm. <laughs> I had a sirloin for dinner. So good. So I cooked it the way Gordon Ramsay taught me to. The only steak we've got left in the house right now is reserved for making delicious nachos. I just bought half a cow. I don't have half a cow. I have half a cow. I don't even have a quarter cow. Actually, I have a little bit more than half a cow because I still had part of the quarter cow I bought last year. <laughs> and it's delicious. Both of them are still delicious. <laughs> anyway. It begs the question, though, if those are high in testosterone, what's high in estrogen? Well, to get estrogen, you first need cholesterol, which what? is plentiful in eggs. What? Also, you need testosterone. I don't know if you caught that part. Yes, you do. It is in that link there. Is it in that link yep. there? Yeah. Yep. Cholesterol because, uh, leads to making different estrogen-related things. Mm -hmm. Females actually naturally transform testosterone into estrogen. Yes, and one so. of the things that it needs to make one of the critical estrogen things is testosterone, which you need cholesterol and testosterone to do that. Yeah. Of course, those are not the only sources. There are other ways, though, debated on how well it actually works due to some of the potential side effects, and that is uh, phytoestrogens. Mm. So those come from plants, like soy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the most popular. Yeah, it's the most popular, and it's uh, number two on the list. Uh, side effects may or may not include blocking the natural production of estrogen. Oops. Um, as well as blocking your body from actually absorbing nutrients it needs. Oops. That being said, some studies on the keto diet, which is growing in popularity, have pointed out that some women on the diet need to add plants and carbs to their diets, especially when their menstrual cycle is about to restart. 
This is due to a lack of leptin in their diets, which can be supplemented via berries, vegetables, and legumes. So which potential ideology generally endorses a plant-heavy diet and which political. is more friendly which to eating more meat? Political ideology. That's what I said. Yes. <laughs> endorses plant-heavy diet and which is more friendly to eating more meat. Yeah. I which wonder. One? Which one is it? Tell me, Trevor, which one is it? Well, I don't want to put answers in people's mouths. I want them to do their own dang homework, which is why I gave them all the answers so far. <laughs> <laughs> you failed to specify where to wear. <laughs> Another topic to consider is that of our churches. A blessing, a blessing from the Lord. God be praised. I wish. <laughs> a recent Gallup poll found that for the first time in American history, membership in churches dropped below 50%. The number of Americans who don't identify with any religion is up from 8% in 2000 to 21% today. It also found that newer generations just aren't going to church with 36% of millennials belonging to a church versus 58% of boomers. Within the black community, a survey was done to get a feel for what's going on there. Pew Research found that while black Americans are more likely to believe in God than other Americans at large, about half say that it's essential for churches to offer, quote, racial affirmation or pride, end quote. That's the point of church. Yes, it is, it is to affirm all of the beliefs that you had before you came to church. It also found that about a quarter of respondents said that sermons on political topics are essential, which is another way of saying three quarters of respondents don't want to hear anything about politics in their church. As we've mentioned multiple times before, the country was founded within the halls of churches and pubs. The founders were inspired by sermons that led them to believe things like, quote, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God which is what Ben Franklin submitted as the crest for the United States, and Thomas Jefferson liked it so much, he put it on his own seal, on his personal seal. I want to put it on my personal seal. <laughs> that sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you say it, that one Another study was done on the retention of children to the faith they are raised in. The results were interesting. Very interesting, actually. If both parents attended regularly, regularly, 33% of their children ended up as regular churchgoers, while 41% would attend irregularly. If the father is irregular and the mother regular, only 3% would become regulars, while 59% would be irregular. If the father is non-practicing and the mother is regular, only 2% become regulars, with 37% irregular. However, if the father is a regular church attender and the mother is irregular... 38% of children will be regular okay, attenders. Okay, hold, hold on. So what you're telling me is if a father is regular and a mother is irregular, the children are actually more likely to be regular than if both parents are regular? Yes. Babe, you got to go inactive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> If the mother is non-practicing but the father is regular, it jumps to 44% of children becoming regular attenders. What? This study isn't to point out that mothers do not matter in childhood religious development because they very much do, but it does point to the effects of a wow. strong, grounded, faithful father on the child. But earlier, you intense. but earlier you said single-parent households are bad and that you need God in schools, so why doesn't this help? Because God isn't really in our churches anymore. A study from Arizona Christian University found that 37% of pastors hold a biblical worldview. What? 
Parents aren't faring any better with just 2% of parents of preteens holding a biblical worldview. What other kind of worldview does a pastor have? Well, it's just it's actually so bad. It's actually a fun study to pull up. And by fun, I mean not fun. Fun's a word. <laughs> it's, it's an F word. It is an F word. <laughs> That's about how we use it most of the time. <laughs> um, so let me finish this sentence here then we'll jump into that study a little bit the categories of belief and behavior used to come to these numbers are purpose and calling family and value of life god creation history faith pre- oh you got rid of my semicolons <laughs> <laughs> Bastage. was this not a list <laughs> it was a list it was a list <laughs> anyway creation history uh, faith practices, sin, salvation, God, relationship, human character, and nature, lifestyle, behavior, relationships, Bible, truth, and morals. So of all those categories, nandishka for biblical worldview. Why is that? Well, if you go into the uh, some of the stuff they found, so all Christian pastors, 37%, hold a biblical worldview. Senior or lead pastor is 41% holding a biblical worldview. Associate or assistant pastor, 28%. A teaching pastor, 13%. Children's youth pastor, 12% with a biblical worldview. Executive pastor, 4%. Because I only believe in science. So the closer, <laughs> the closer they get to teaching children, the lower their biblical worldview is. And huh. the further they get from the congregation even lower their biblical worldview gets. So if the people at the very top don't hold a biblical worldview and they're the ones that decide what comes down to the masses below, I feel like that number is only going to get worse over time. Probably. Yeah. Because Um, it's all part of the plan. uh, Yeah, it gets into... uh, um, <clears throat> where is it? Where is it? Were you looking for where you left off? Or? No, I'm on the thing. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, the the purport, uh among all Christian pastors in the United States, slightly more than one out of every three, thirty-seven percent, possess a biblical worldview. The proportion varies by the pastoral position held among senior pastors, four out of 10, blah, 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 went through those numbers. Much like other Americans, the pastors who do not have a biblical worldview are unlikely to fully embrace a competing worldview, such as secular humanism, Marxism, or others. In fact, less than 1% of pastors embody a worldview other than biblical theism. Instead, their prevailing worldview is best described as syncretism. This is the answer you're looking for. The blending of ideas and applications from a variety of holistic worldviews into a unique but inconsistent combination that represents their personal preferences. More than six out of ten pastors, 62%, have a predominantly syncretistic, syncretistic, syncretistic worldview. Uh, Short answer for that is uh, the philosophies of man mingled with scripture, I believe, is. I mean, that's accurate. for that. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. So, if God is barely in our churches, how can we expect to have him in our schools that have 
been blasted over the last century with wholly secular beliefs. Like we said before, the fix is much deeper than some legislative chest thumping and a couple of security guards. So why do these things matter? Why does broken homes, the LGBT movement, diets, and failed churches have to have what to do... What does? Is that what I said? No, you said why. Well, okay, what? It's a different <laughs> W, sir. <laughs> Say what, what way? <laughs> what? <laughs> have to do with today's ills. Whip. Everything. It has everything to do with it because we have weak leaders. We have weak leaders because good men sit by and do nothing as evil runs its course. Christians are not asked to be nice Christians. They are asked to be good Christians. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. And the cycle continues. And the cycle continues. Sure, we all like the nice friends who will always prop us up and encourage us to do whatever makes you happy, man. But the ones we remember most, the ones we hold closest, are the good friends. The ones who weren't afraid to tell us when we were wrong and to dress us down when we were out of line. Like we said last week in our uh, self-help section. Yeah. In our, our uh, little spill about uh, you are not helping anybody by lying to them or letting them lie to themselves. Yes. Yeah. The good friends are the ones who build real character that makes us better people. The same applies to good Christians versus nice Christians. Too often, our preachers and teachers shy away from the hard topics because they just want to be nice to everyone. Fathers step aside from their God-given duties to protect and provide their families because they are either outright cowards and abandon them physically, or they put on a facade while allowing their family to spin out of control with kids joining groups that encourage them to commit crimes or to damage or even kill themselves. Of course, in today's world, if a man does speak up and try to actually be a man... He is shouted down by society for his toxic masculinity and mansplaining. And if he's white on top of that, well, that's just the worst group of social sins one can commit. I'm sure, though, all of that has nothing to do with middle-aged white men having the highest suicide rate. In 2020, men committed suicide 3.88 times more than women. White males accounted for almost 70% of suicides in 2020. Good thing we flattened that curve and kept everyone inside and prevented Sheesh. people from providing for their families because we didn't want them to catch a bad cold or mild flu. Podcast host and writer Ali Bastucki wrote a great Twitter thread on how we are, quote, horribly failing the young men of this country, end quote. <clears throat> she breaks down the lack of promoting fatherhood, hard work, and honor, and points out the systemic failures of society are not on the government, but on us. It's worth the quick read. Indeed, all of the failures listed here all stem from the government stepping in <clears throat> to, quote, fill a God-sized hole with a government-sized peg, end quote. The same government that tells us we're not responsible enough to own firearms while encouraging dealers to allow straw purchases for people who wanted to smuggle firearms into Mexico. The same firearms ended up killing a border agent. Yeah, I, I thought they were talking about, like, smuggling plastic straws into California. No, different straw for purchase. For a second, is that a completely different kind of straw purchase? Yeah, was, that's uh, not quite as egregious as smuggling a straw into California, but it's up not there. Quite as, it's not punishable by death? No, it's... Uh, no. It's punishable by a slap on the wrist and nobody gets prosecuted. Oh. <clears throat> Those firearms ended up killing a border agent as the federal government watched the gun used in that crime and 39 other firearms purchased the same day with the same man crossed the border. Hmm. Bought 40 firearms. ATF sat and watched. Walk across the border. Another of those firearms was used in the Paris terrorist attacks. This is all fast and furious, if you didn't know, by the way. Oh. <clears throat> and many others... 
were traced to crimes and murders committed throughout Mexico. Yeah, the government is definitely the answer we need. All that peg has done is make it worse and worse and, and fulfill every slippery slope argument ever made on these topics, pushing God further and further away while filling in the hole uh, with more and more government intrusion. Filling in the hole with more government intrusion and more moralist secular beliefs and practices. If we want to fix the school and mass shooting issues, we need to first fix the deeper wounds. Instead of patching the growing hole on the side of the ship, we are focused on which size cup to use to bail out the water. The words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer ring truer and truer as each day goes on when he said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Now is the time to speak up. Now is the time to act. Now is the time to stop being silent, to be nice, and to... Stop being silent to be nice and to raise your voice against evil to promote the good that we all know should be in the world today. Ha! Ha! Words. Words. Ha! That's a lot of lines connected that I have never seen connected before. Well, I mean... I mean, we only, there's no way that we have weak men with low testosterone levels because our diets have changed drastically to reduce the amount of testosterone we're ingesting. There's no, way that, there's no way that has anything to do with men committing suicide at a higher rate than before because they're not eating a man's diet. Can't have anything to do with that. No, let's no. pump them full of estrogen because that's the nice thing to do. Yeah. 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 Do you hear that? That's the sound of forgiveness. That's the sound of people drowning, Carl. That is what forgiveness sounds like. Screaming and then silence. You know, the things that we solve in just a short amount of time. (laughs) Well, you know. Now, if only more people listen to us. Yes. Oh, well. Maybe we can hijack a podcast broadcast and get our way out, get our word out that way. I'm going to listen to Mark Levin. This isn't Mark Levin. What the heck? Mark Mark Levin's probably smarter than I am, so, you know, carry on. (laughs) As you were. As you were. That's just the first name that popped in mind. So, Trevor Noah will hijack his broadcast. Well, I mean, I want somebody who actually kind of thinks for themselves to hear it. Oh, that's fair. So, so nobody that listens to that podcast. No. That's, that's fine. <laughs> I would say, uh, I would say, uh, oh, crap, what's his name on HBO? Um, McLean? No, he's getting more and more red-pilled. Oh, uh, is he on HBO? Uh, Bill Maher? Yeah, Bill Maher. Bill Maher. Yeah. Is he on HBO? Is that where he's at now? I think so, because I think he was on Comedy Central, and they didn't like him 
for oh. something. Hmm. And so now he's on. I don't, I don't know. I would say hijack his, but he's actually reaching an audience that doesn't get reached. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that is fair. Which, I mean, could be our audience, too. That's just better than that. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. So, you know uh, the drill. Like, subscribe, comment. Be- before we go, since this was kind of a uh, fresh for you, what was the biggest thing that stood out to you there? I mean, it was kind of fresh for me in the sense that I hadn't read through the whole thing before. Yes, yes, yes. But, I mean, this is basically what I've been looking at for the last six months that led me to start carnivore. So yeah, especially all that food section. <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> like the rest of it. I've, I've just kind of known for a while, like, you know, but it's, it's interesting seeing it lined up like that. Seeing how lines can be drawn and mm-hmm. if you just, <laughs> well, take- I actually, I actually had a conversation with my wife a few weeks ago about, um, about the 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 diet and and stuff like that. We and we basically were like, like like if if you know a more carnivore style diet is our natural human diet, and and they've pushed this sugar drenched garbage, you know, for for the last. 40 years longer than that last 60 years yeah 60 years the last 60 years um like if they can't let it come out now no like like at at this point especially if they know that they're wrong especially if they know that that they did something bad um because the 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 backlash would be Unreal. I mean, you, you think about it. How many people do you know that have died from cancer? Um, like both my parents are gone right. from cancer. You know, my my wife's dad died early from um, from heart issues, heart attack. Um, and from from what I've studied of 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 this way of of life, this way of eating, those things. I mean, they, they can't really be reversed as much. Like, the, the heart disease can be more so than the cancer, but they can be halted mm-hmm. um, just by changing your diet. And if, if that is true, if that is real, then if, if the standard American diet had never happened... If, if it had been something more carnivore-based that was actually f- what our bodies need, was actually a, a real thing that our bodies need, not some paid-off, cooked-up bullshit from a lab. <laughs> if, if that were real, then both of my parents would still be here. Right. My, my, mo- my wife's dad would still be here. Um. And when you start thinking about that, like how many people have lost family early because the standard American diet is just straight poison. 
right? You know, that, that, the implications of that alone, like the backlash, if it became common knowledge, if, if they were actually to come out and admit they were wrong, would be unreal. <laughs> and finding things like this one <coughs> make you start to wonder if it actually is coincidence that right now the beef industry is struggling stupendously compared to other industries. Meat in general is just struggling to stay afloat. Well, and I mean, when you have... But beef in particular, which from what I found on and added to this, it was number one, number two in the top 10 on just about everything I looked at for sources for things that actually make you feel good. Mm-hmm. It is. And that's the industry and that's just sucking So, right So fun, fun little tidbit here, right? So one of the big pushes in the standard American diet is fiber. Fiber. Fiber, right? Well, fiber actually doesn't do anything for you at all. They, they call it an essential nutrient, which to me, when you say essential, you know, the, the word essential means kinda like necessary. Kind of like you're an essential worker? Yeah, you know, huh. it, it means that without... <laughs> you keep on using that word. <laughs> it, it, uh, the word essential literally means that without it, you would die. Uh-huh. In my mind. But this essential nutrient fiber that they, they talk about. Um, so it originally became a, a more popular part of, um, of the American diets in uh, like the late 70s, early 80s. And it was introduced as a way to lose weight because it cannot be processed by your body. You get full and you get nothing from it. Yeah, you get full and you get nothing from it. The, the, the whole idea of empty calories, right? So you, you can eat this and you can fill yourself up and then you won't, you know, you won't be, be hungry anymore, but you, you won't gain weight because you're not actually using any of this stuff. So um, fiber, in order to be processed, it needs an organ called a cecum, Right. I seek him all the time. And that's what she said. Um, <clears throat> and, and so the fiber goes into the, the cecum and it, it, is, um, it, it sits for quite a long time and is processed and whatever. Uh, however, humans don't have an operational cecum. The closest thing we have is our appendix, which is completely non-functional. We don't use it at all. Uh, so what, what fiber does is it it goes into your body and it actually blocks uh your body from absorbing other nutrients it actually needs so you actually become more and more unhealthy the more fiber that you eat and it actually probably causes some weight gain because your body goes into survival mode because it's not getting the nutrients it needs and it pack on the fat packs on the fat because fat is something it can use. That's why you get fat. <clears throat> it's, it's not because you're eating fat. And so your body's making fat. No, it, it, it's because your body has decided that you do not know how to take care of it. It takes all the sugar it can find. And so it takes everything <clears throat> it can find in your body and it converts as much of it as it can to fat and it stores it so that you can survive. 
That's, that's literally what's happening is, is your body is trying to force you to survive by converting the things that you are eating into a source of fuel that it can actually use fully. And so it, it, the, the human body is a, a phenomenal machine. But doing this, it makes you feel like crap because your body's not functioning right. It's not, not getting what it needs. It's not doing all these things. And so, you know, they, they've, they've done this diet and they say calories in, calories out. It, it's bullshit because calories don't even actually mean anything. Like it, it makes no sense because the way that they calculate calories is they literally take a piece of food and they, they light it on fire. They burn it. <laughs> how, long, how long and, does it burn? How long does it burn? How hot does it burn? And, and that is how many calories it has. So I, you take a, 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 a little cube of uranium and light it on fire, and it's like 100,000 calories. It's like this big. You eat that, it's 100,000 calories. Except for, you know, that's not how it works because your body can't use the uranium. You'll probably <laughs> die because it'll poison you. <clears throat> so the calories don't actually make any difference at all. It's all about what you can and cannot absorb. And the other thing about it is, like, they, they do this, and they did it in um, a closed system. Um, so what that means when you're, when you're looking at the laws of thermodynamics and you're, you're looking at, um, the way that they did this, a closed system means that, um, the trying to remember exactly how to explain it. So it is, it's the, the, the way that matter is converted. <clears throat> so it's in a closed system, it's converted to energy right. or, or, uh, your, your mass is converted straight to energy. The mass is converted straight to energy. Uh-huh. Um, but our body is an open system, which means that um, it's converted in two different ways. So, in fact, when you eat something, what you, your body can actually use, it completely absorbs and turns into energy. Whereas... Um, like in a, a closed system, it only part of it is turned into energy. The rest of it is turned into waste, right? right. So when, you, when you're on a diet that is actually what you need and is actually the nutrient-dense stuff, you produce next to no waste. So, so people that go on the carnivore diet, um, all right, this is going to be a little gross, but, <laughs> but people that, that go on the carnivore diet, once they've... they've you know, adapted to it and their, their bodies are, are fully functioning with it and they, their, their body has gotten over the trauma of being abused for your entire life. <laughs> kicked out all the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kicked out all the bad stuff and it's, it started believing that you're going to keep feeding it properly. <laughs> and, and so it, it, it oh. starts, you know, shedding the, the excess weight and all that stuff. Guys, guys, I think he's serious. I think we can turn off survival mode. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Flip the switch. You know, once it gets to that point, then you you start having fewer and fewer bowel movements during a day. Uh, and then you eventually get to the point where you're going every few days because your body isn't creating the extra waste. It's, it's using everything. Whereas when you eat a diet high in fiber, you're going every day, sometimes twice a day, and it's these massive just 
pieces of wood that you're dropping <laughs> and literally pieces of wood because when you're <laughs> looking it's fiber yeah exactly and 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 fiber when they when you look at at food items and it says you know extra fiber or enriched with fiber or enhanced fiber or heart healthy fiber and stuff like that they literally take handfuls of sawdust and add it to these products like that's that's the fiber that's what they're doing and so your body can't process it. It's it's this nasty, chunky, sharp crap that is just getting pushed through your body and then compacted and shoved out. <laughs> and and they wonder why people have issues with uh, with bowel movements and things like that. That's because you're literally tearing apart the entire system that's designed to push food and absorb food through your body. It's just trying to shove stuff out. Would you swallow a small chunk of <laughs> fiberglass insulation? No? no. Then why are you eating it? <laughs> right? I know it's not the same, but the principle. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's super, super interesting. So um, I actually just looked it up so, so I could... Um, explain the uh, insulated or uh, open system and closed system better. So in thermodynamics, there's, there's actually three systems. There's an isolated system, a closed system, and an open system. An isolated system has no exchange of energy or mass between uh, the system and its surroundings. So nothing, nothing moves between, uh-huh. right? Within a closed system, energy is transferred, but no mass is transferred. Right. So it leaves so, all the carbon behind. Right. So so when you when you light a piece of food on fire, the fire is generating energy, but it is burning the mass. The mass isn't actually being transferred, it's being transformed into, you know, a, a lump of char. Right. Basically, right? That's where they get their calorie count. Mm-hmm. That's how they get their calorie count. The closed system, it is simply transferring energy. But our body is what's known as an open system. So in an open system, both mass and energy can be transmitted. So it exchanges both matter and energy into the surroundings to produce something else. To produce something else, right. So, so when, when we eat meat, our body takes that meat, it takes the mass, it takes all of the energy that can be <clears throat> taken from the meat, and it uses those things. It takes the mass and it builds muscles. It builds cells. It builds, you know, all yeah. these different things out of the building block that you've just fed it. Your body is a chemical, rea- <coughs> chemical reaction machine. Mm-hmm. It is. And so when you eat a plant, when you eat like a piece of broccoli or something like that, you know, it, <laughs> the fiber and most of that piece of plant will pass right through you. The chemicals will be transmitted through your blood and cause chemical imbalances. And the very few nutrients that it has will be used as best as it can. But the majority of that can't be used by our open system. So it's passed out. Wasting energy. <clears throat> wasting it. Yeah. Wasting energy, wasting resources. Um, because that's the other thing is, is when you're eating something that uh, your body actually can't process, can't use. Uh, your body has to flush it out. So it has to use other resources. It has to use water. It has to use different nutrients like the vitamins and things like that. That you just got from the vegetable. (laughs) That you just got from the vegetable. It uses those to push out the the waste that you can no longer use, that you can't actually process. 
And in, in the interim, it's blocking your body from being capable of utilizing the other things that it's getting that it can use. So it's incredibly unhealthy. Yeah. And yet it's, it's the standard. It's what they've come up with scientifically. Trust the science. <clears throat> yet again. <coughs> anyway. It's, it's consensus. Yeah, exactly. The science. It's amazing. What does Fauci have to do with this? <laughs> it's amazing how I got to that in the, <laughs> the, re- right? the The way that I got to that was because of that study on the uh, um, testosterone making you more conservative. Yeah. See, and here I was thinking <laughs> it was because I'd talked to you a number of times about what I've been doing, but you know. Well, I, I just mean for this survey, for right. this research paper. Right. It's that, it's interesting. The survey though, came like, out came out and I was like, well, and it's it's one of those well, things you got to find just, natural sources of these. So then, yeah. what, what? How is diet tied well, into? How is diet tied into emotions right. and all that stuff? And that's which, yeah. that's the that's the interesting thing. That's actually probably the most interesting thing about this to me is that it's just one more thing where it's it's like I always feel like when I find something in life, like I always I always just start it and then I try to find things to prove me wrong. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I, I want, I want, I want something to prove me wrong. I'm looking at all these things trying to yeah. prove me wrong. Yeah. To, to, to your point there <laughs> with that, with the diet end of this, uh-huh. I wasn't searching uh, top meats for this chemical. Uh-huh. I was top foods for this chemical. Top foods, right? And yeah. the ones that I trusted were the ones that actually had meat in their lists, versus the ones that only had vegetables in their lists. Huh. And the ones that only had vegetables in their list, I take their top vegetable and see what they have for their calculations of this much of whatever and this much of whatever per this amount. Compare that to the top meat in another list, Mm -hmm. and the meat outperformed every single time. Yeah. (laughs) So, Uh, well, I can't trust the all-vegetable list, so I'll go with the one that has meat (laughs) with a few vegetables mixed in. Right. Well, and that's... that's, One of which was enriched tofu. (laughs) Right. And that's, that's what, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, is like I, I find these things and I research it and then I get to a point where I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. And you, you try it and, and you have to prove it with experiment, right? You have to, you have to see if it actually works for you. And you, you start it and, and you see the results. And then I, I always, you, you always keep looking. You always you see keep if trying sprouted, to see beginneth to grow. if something will disprove it. And, and it always comes out like, like when I know I found something good is I find it and I think it's good. I try it and it works. And then I have two or three other things crop up. That's just like, oh yeah, I found it this way looking at this. And it's a different way than I, I looked at it. Well, if this is true, and it's, then it's what just about another, this? another thing. Right. And that's the, the thing that, that is really interesting to me about like those lists and stuff is, is like, well, yeah, this item has a lot of this in it. But when you look at the other side of the research, you know, when you actually look at what the body utilizes and can, can actually process, I mean, we have four organs that are, are designed entirely to process and utilize fat. Uh-huh. We have zero organs that are designed to process and utilize wheat or fiber. Right. None. So you look at the the anatomical side of it. Well, obviously our bodies are designed to 
process this. So then you look at those lists again and it's like, okay, yeah, this item has like, like tofu has it whatever. checks the boxes. It checks the boxes. <laughs> it has however many grams of this and however many grams of that. What about this but, red list over here? <laughs> but it it's like putting diesel fuel in a gasoline tank. Like just because it has something that can be used as fuel, just because it doesn't can go actually boom. mean that your body can process it. <laughs> you know, you, you, you it, when you look at the whole picture on on all sides of it. It really comes down to what can be utilized, what can't be utilized. And and you take it to the baseline. You take it to the, the bare minimum thing that, that your body needs. Do that thing till your body is satiated. And then once you're, you're adapted to that, then you can start adding in some things and see what affects you and what doesn't. And maybe you can find a few things that your ancestry has been adapted to eating. You know, like there are some people that are super sensitive to eggs. They get really sick when they eat eggs. I can't stand the texture of them. You know, no how hard I try. <laughs> there are other people that get super sensitive to uh, different forms of dairy. Yep. You know, they can't they can't eat different forms of dairy, and there are other people that are just fine with dairy, just fine with eggs. Um, but you know, if you take it down to the 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 baseline, the basics, take it to the basics. That, you know, every everything you ever learn, you know, if anybody's worth half their salt teaching you anything, the one thing you will repeatedly get from them in instruction is take it to the basics. Because once you have the basics, once you have the foundation, you know, it, it just builds that strong foundation for you to build off of. Right. And so you you should always be looking at the basics, even when you get to the point where you're you're experimenting with other things and, and expanding your knowledge and your horizons, you should always remember the basics and always go back to relearning the basics. And that's probably why God is not in our uh, churches anymore, right. let alone our schools. Right. Because <laughs> we just don't get down to basics. Mm-hmm. Remember, Christ was good. He wasn't necessarily nice. As uh, <laughs> exemplified by the fact that he chased people through the temple with a rose whip. And flipped over tables. That he sat and made. <laughs> that he sat and made in front of them. <laughs> Stewing over it. <laughs> Sell items and might. <clears throat> I reserve the right to smite. <laughs> he must have been a paladin. He must have been a paladin. <laughs> Anyways, with that blasphemy behind us. In <laughs> Do the, you know, the thing. The, you know, the thing. Hopefully, <laughs> you enjoyed this, gleaned something from it, and it sparked your interest to do your own homework, see what mm-hmm. we found, and prove us wrong. <laughs> yep. Because the difference between us and a lot of other people, we don't want to be right. I would really not to be right, like really like to not be right about a lot of things. <laughs> I know. You know, you research things because you can't be wrong. I research things because I don't want to be right. We are not the same. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how that's how you truly seek truth. Is okay if that's true. This can't be true, or is it? 
I, I don't know, do I want it to be true? <laughs> Let's find out. Oh crap, it's true. <laughs> I never really want it to be true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that being said, I'm I'm not opposed to eating a bunch of meat. Um <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, you know, once I started looking at it and I was like, what? No vegetables? I'm in. Sign me up. Sign me up. Where do I sign, Satan? (laughs) Have my soul. I'll take the bacon and ribeye. It's fine. It's fine. Joke's on you. I wanted to die this way anyway. (laughs) What is it? Uh, Oh, it's uh, supernatural. If bacon is what kills me. I win. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Anyway, that has been a slice of history mashed with a apple a day, I guess. I guess. (laughs) Kind of. We don't have an apple a day stinger. No, not yet, because I didn't really think we'd get to one that quick. Well, and it's really ironic considering we just talked about how an apple a day is actually probably bad for you. There's that. (laughs) (laughs) The irony is not lost. (laughs) An apple a day will probably kill you. (laughs) A steak a day. A steak a day? There we go. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. The naked eagle. The naked eagle. (laughs) Ka-ka! Uh, yes, give us the likes and the stuffs and the thumbs ups and share, share, share. Hopefully you liked the almost two hours of this. Um, almost two hours. Yeah, we'll post uh, the raw thing that we basically read through with hyperlinks and all that. So you can see what we saw and blah, blah, blah. And like I said, do your own homework. Figure it out for yourself. Because if you think we know what we're doing, we pretty much just stumbled across this. <laughs> over the course of and for in Mike's case for part of this over the course of six months in my case over the course of three weeks well, I mean technically if you go way back it's it's been about three and a half years for me because I was doing keto for a while that's too. true that's so true. you were I, on, I you started were, out with that. you were on that journey already but yeah 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 that's the, that's fair the culmination of all of this though linking together has been at least a few weeks in the works because idiots in Washington want to thump their chests that, hey, we have a bipartisan thing that'll work. It'll do absolutely nothing to prevent the previous shootings because they all did things that are outside of the law we're trying to pass or already covered by the law that we didn't enforce. Yeah. Yay. Oh, that, uh, breaking news. Uh, ooh. Uh, Myra Flores wins U.S. House seat in South Texas. I don't know who that is. I don't either, but it's the first GOP win in that area in 150 years. Oh. So that's big. Interesting. Yeah. We'll probably have to talk some more about that next week. Yep. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Vlogging will continue until morale improves. (laughs) (laughs) Just waiting on you. Are you you ready yet? Are you ready yet?
<laughs> I want my two dollars. I want my two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that. Yay for things. Yay for things. Stuff. We need you to curb your enthusiasm there. Oh, I've curbed it pretty hard. <laughs> curb stomped it, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> uh, make this more readable. That's readable. Just say readable. Yep. Because the English language is awesome and read and read are all spelled the same. That's fair. <coughs> and things like though and through and tough and all those don't rhyme, even though they're spelled almost exactly the same. But for some godforsaken reason, baloney and pony rhyme. And orange and porridge. Yes. Yeah, that's a weird one. But don't ever drink the orange porridge. No. Oh, no. Mm -mm. Bad idea. Mm -mm. Mm. <clears throat> the red one is much better. If far better. <laughs> Especially if it's got little fuzzies in it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a great one. So, so wonderful. All right. Which uh, which intro am I using? Ah. This one. You actually were telling the truth. I do that quite a lot. Your people are always surprised. Welcome. That, that's the thing, though. They're actually oh. not really telling the truth. That's the whole point of this whole stupid thing. That nobody's <sighs> telling the truth? Well, seeing as how we're going back about 100 years... And moving forward from there, I think... Uh, Historicity? I think it's a history one. Oh, I better turn that noise off. <laughs> that disturbance. A sense of disturbance in the... Why? Why? Another picture? Yes. Of that how? is disgusting. From where? From the floor in our bedroom. Ooh, yeah, we don't want to... No, uh, no, I don't See? need that black light image. Look, here's another one. <laughs> It doesn't get better. <laughs> Never gets better. <laughs> Here's another one. <laughs> My eyes are stained by it. Now yours are too. <laughs> Misery loves company. <clears throat> Hello, Satan. <laughs> all right, fine. First of all, I'd like to say I'm a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your work with the duck. <laughs> Quite impressed. <laughs> 